got your Bible open, please, to Luke chapter 15. I'm going to read the scripture this morning. It's going to be in a slightly, um, I will say this is a paraphrase, just so you know. <clears throat> Feeling footloose, frisky, and fancy free, a feather-brained fellow named Fred forced his fond father to fork over the farthings and fleeing far to foreign fields, flippantly frittered away his fabulous fortune on flamboyant feasting with faithless friends and foxy floozies. <laughs> Finally, flim-flammed and fleeced by his fellows in folly, Fred found himself a feed-flinger in a filthy farmyard. Fairly famishing, he fain would have filled his frame with the foraged food of fodder fragments. Fooey. Father's flunkies fare far finer, the frazzled fugitive forlornly fumbled, frankly facing facts. Frustrated by failure, filled with foreboding, Fred fled forthwith to family, and flipping focus fell at father's feet, firmly facing fault. Father, I flunked, flopped, failed, fruitlessly forfeiting the family favor for fleeting frippery. But the far-seeing father, forestalling further flinching, frantically flagged a flunky to fetch a fatling and fix a feast. Now Philip, the fugitive's fault-finding fraternal fuss budget, frowned on fickle forgiveness of former Falderall. Fiddlesticks. I farmed this family's fallow fields in faceless faithfulness, yet for Fred's philandering frivolity, you fabricate a festival? But the faithful father figured, Philip, Fred, Philip, Fred's found. What forbids fervent festivity? Phileo fidelity's fine. But let flags be unfurled. Let fanfares flare. You see, Father's forgiveness forms a firm foundation for that former fugitive's future fortitude. That's Luke 15. Thank you. Credit where it's due. A guy named Phil Kerr wrote that a number of years ago. I've expanded it from his reference, but not, not mine. The nugget of the idea isn't mine, but the memorization's all mine. This is a story that's so familiar. Part of the reason I do that is because prodigal son, it's, it's in our lexicon as a society, right? You don't have to be religious to go to church when you say about the prodigal son. It's somebody who goes off wayward and, you know, but the story itself, it's, it's lost. It should offend us. The story was meant to offend those who hear it. It's meant to offend us today. It's a story the centerpiece of the Gospel of Luke is found in chapter 15. We've already read two of the three stories last week. The story of the lost sheep, the one having been gone astray, the 99 staying, and the lost coin. But Jesus ups the ante this week because as much as you love your sheep or you like your money, your coins, it's nothing like losing a child. When we look at the what Jesus is speaking to when he looks at the centerpiece of these stories, we have to go back to verse 1 in chapter 15 and see what was Jesus telling these stories to respond to. 
And it says the tax collectors and sinners were all drawing near to hear Jesus. And the Pharisees and the scribes grumbled, saying, this man receives sinners and eats with them. Remember the power of the table, right? The power of being at a place with people who make us uncomfortable because of their behavior. And these stories, including this story of the prodigal son, simply put is Jesus receiving people in order to recover them because he loves lost things. Now, I'm going to recommend to you, if you don't know Tim Keller's Prodigal God, it's a wonderful book, sermon, uh, it's on Right Now Media. I'm not going to try. That That does a fantastic job breaking down much of the imagery of that, and I'm, I'll just refer you to him. Tim Keller's a wonderful presenter of the Word. I want to offer you a few thoughts from a different perspective, and, um, you know, take what you will out of it. I trust the Holy Spirit will quicken to you what you need to hear. This story, even when I was young, bothered me, and I said before, and it should bother you. Why? Well, I'm fine with the story up until the time the prodigal son returns. Because, okay, I get it. We all make mistakes, right? He goes off. Now, it's an egregious error. It's a, I mean, violation of protocol, right? You go before the dad is dead and you say, hey, can I have my inheritance now, right? When my parents were aging, they downsized and they had a lot of their nicer furniture in a small two-bedroom apartment. And uh, they said, kids, come and tag, you know, you guys decide among the four of you, my three siblings and myself, what you want. Put a little piece of tape underneath and then it'll be very easy when we're gone. We don't have to, you know, whatever. So we went and did that. And we all kind of, it was almost 20 years before they passed away. And we, we just all took, and it was kind of a fun thing to do. But I can tell you something. If any of the four of us had gone to my parents and said, hey, by the way, we're taking the couch and the bed now. The computer, the kitchen stuff, we actually would like it now. We're going to sell it. You know, there's some Vegas stuff that needs to go on. That's offensive, right? It's one thing to divide it up. It's another thing to say, I wish you were dead, but I can't wait that long. Because the younger son's lust and his desire to please himself caused him such disrespect to his parents. So... Terrible violation of protocol. The father's acceptance of this is probably a violation of protocol as well. And this gets to the part that always bothered me as a kid. The son comes back, coming to his senses, only because he was hungry, mind you. He had lost his identity, both in his behavior, violating the covenant as a Jew, but also tending pigs, an unclean animal. He just had totally violated his identity. He didn't know who he was. Comes back. He gets a little speech prepared because he figures, well, at least I can be a servant. Dad's good guy. So, you know, knocks on the door. Father, I've sinned against God and against you. I'm no longer worthy to be called one of your sons, please treat me as a hired servant. Here's Tim's version of Luke 15. Son, 
Of course I'll treat you as a hired servant. That is such a good response. You finally come to your senses. Yes, you've blown your inheritance. Oh, well. But, you know, I don't want you to starve. So the place for you to live is out there in the back. you got to start somewhere. Work your way up in a few years. You might become your brother's valet or something. You know, we can figure it out. But glad to see you again. And certainly, you know, actions have consequences, son. So see you there. I could get behind. That totally would be how I would read it. You know, and I'd be fine with that. It's like, we're teaching a good moral lesson. That's not what happens, is it? Son, you were dead and you're found. We're going to put the robes on you. You are fully restored. You have always been my son, but you were lost and now you're found. I know why the older brother's upset. I get it. But here's the violation that we sometimes we don't get, or I didn't get, until later when I knew I was the prodigal son. See, I was, I was the older brother who did everything right. Thought I did anyway. The older brother says, oh, I'm not coming to the feast. This son of yours, how can you receive him back? Both sons have done something. We have to see this. Both sons have moved their relationship from their father from relational to transactional. What do I mean by that? The younger son, we see it clearly. He says, treat me as one of your hired servants. In other words, pay me a wage so I can live. But the relationship between us as father and son is now broken. The older brother, it's a little more hidden, but no less clear. If we read, if we go down to verse 29, he says to his father, look, these many years I have, what, served you. Not been your son, not been close to you. I've been your servant for many years, never disobeying your what? Command. You never gave me a goat that I might celebrate with my friends, but when, not my brother, this son of yours. Do you see the severing of relationship on the older brother's part? I'm a servant. I'm a slave in this house. And I've served you, and I deserve the inheritance because of what my behavior has been so right and yet he was completely out of step with his father's heart when this son of yours devoured your property with prostitutes you killed the fatted calf for him but the father will have none of it he in both cases to the older brother reminds him he doesn't have anything to worry about. Look at what the father says to the older brother, the, clearly representing the Pharisees and, and we, me, I'll include me, who are self-righteous. Verse 31, Son, you are always with me and all that's mine is yours. He had nothing to worry about. And the father wanted to have a heart relationship with his boy. 
It's fitting to celebrate and be glad for this brother, your brother, was dead, but he's alive. He was lost and is found. For the younger brother, we see it clearly. After saying, treat me as one of your hired servants, in verse 24, he says, this son of mine was dead, but he's alive again. He was lost and is found. And they began to celebrate. This parable should offend us because the grace of God is shocking. It doesn't mean there aren't consequences to choices. It does mean that those who repent are welcomed fully back into relationship with God. Those who turn to Him and come to Him will be received by Him no matter what they've done. This parable doesn't resolve the tension we feel in the story. We don't know what the older brother is going to do. It leaves it at the end. We don't know what his response is going to be. But I want to ask you this, and I don't know where you see yourself or if you see yourself, but let me just offer you three perspectives. If you're a prodigal, and you don't have to be off in a far land doing the drinking and prostitutes to be a prodigal, if God is distant in your life and you have no real relationship with Father God, you're a prodigal. If you're listening, watching on Facebook Live, you're listening later on and you think God's very distant to me, you're the, you're the prodigal son in this story. At some point, we've all been prodigal sons in this story. I know I have. Last week, in hearing Buddy share his testimony, it just struck me the grace and mercy of God having reached in and He's done it for all of us. If you're a prodigal, let me offer you a couple of things. Run back home. Let the consequences of wherever you are. It might seem fun right now. If sin wasn't fun, nobody would do it. And it's bitter. And if the bitterness hasn't come yet, it will. Don't think you can come when you want to come. Come now. You don't know what the future holds. As Keith was talking about our world, it's a crazy world we live in. We do not know what today or tomorrow holds. Run to your Father. He will receive you no matter what you are doing in the dark or in the light. Maybe you're proudly sinning and you don't care who knows it. Maybe you're doing things in the dark and you pray no one finds out. Run to the God. He will receive you. He will fully restore you to sonship. But run now. The day of salvation of your saving is now. It's today. You think you have tomorrow? Maybe. One day that won't be true. If you love a prodigal, Some of us love people who are away from the Lord, our spouse, our children, our parents, our friends, our siblings, somebody. We love them and they are not walking with the Lord. Let me just offer you two things. Don't rescue them from the pigsty. I don't mean to sound like a psychologist and be all codependent on you, but sometimes we want to rescue them when it is 
the bitterness of sin that will drive them back. The father did run to meet, but the child was repentant. And so we pray, we pray, thinking about what Keith said, we pray for those who are lost, and we pray that they would turn their face back to the Father, and that through Jesus they would see their need for something different. And then you stand ready to represent the Father because you may be the first person someone sees when they want to know how how is God going to feel about me when I confess this identity that's unacceptable or this sin that I've been committing. And if they know that you as a representative of God say, well, you're as soon as you clean yourself up and as soon as you change this and you change that, then no, we need to be representatives and say, welcome. Let's take a bath together. Not literally, but let's, <laughs> let's see you get cleansed in the blood of Jesus Christ and having your repentance bear the marks of a changed life. And finally, if you are the older brother and you feel like it's cheap grace, it's too easy, First of all, look to the Father and hear these words. All that all that God has is already yours. And remember that you are or have been a prodigal. And that we need to see ourselves as people who can afford to extend grace because of the grace that's been extended to us. If you can't extend grace to people who are in need, you probably don't remember the grace that was extended to you or it never has been. I'm so grateful for those who extended grace to me when I was coming back from the pigsty and wondering. I'm so grateful. Let's be people, family members, a church that extends grace. Would you pray with me, please? Lord, this simple yet profound heart of the gospel is this, that Jesus Christ came to seek and save those who were lost. Lord, and we stand as the body of Christ to do that. We are the ones who hold out the grace. Lord, the truth is that none of us will become cleansed unless we submit to the cleansing work of Jesus. Lord, thank You that You make possible what in the world is impossible. Someone who is so stained and marred by their choices in the world is just forever marked as that. But not in the kingdom. In the kingdom, lost things get found, dirty things are made clean, broken things are not just fixed, but made new, like it was never broken. Praise God that I, who am so broken, stand before You in Your eyes as new. Lord, each person that we come in contact today is made in the image of God, loved by God. The extension is there. Lord, let us be conduits of grace because of the good Father who welcomes the prodigal and the older brother back to the family. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Would you stand with me, please?